This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Rumors at the baseball winter meetings. They ain't trading Nolan Arenado. Drew Locke at quarterback. What took so long? Maybe it really was what they were saying, is they just wanted to make sure he was ready. Maybe that was actually the truth. And Rockies general manager, Jeff Breidich. If we do get the return to health from a lot of our pitchers, we should be a competitive group again. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Hey, everybody. How we doing? Welcome to our 22nd edition of the award-winning. Let me just throw that in there, even though we haven't won Jack. Uh, <laughs> Julie is back. She had that significant birthday that we talked all about last week that she did not listen to the podcast, so she has no idea all the dirt we threw at her. You guys were shit-talking, weren't you? We absolutely were. You look (laughs) remarkably good for that binge you went on for the last eight days. Well, you know, um, actually, it was only one binge day. It was we went wine tasting. I discovered- You went wine drinking. We went wine drinking. Yes. Have you ever heard of something called a blowfish? Or a- a product called Blowfish. A product called? Yeah. No, what is that? It's a hangover remedy that is unbelievable. Seriously. I don't drink a lot. I know you find that hard to believe. I, I don't. Um, but we, but when I do the next day, I We're just- going to perpetuate the thought, though, through the <laughs> right. series that you do drink a lot. Go ahead. So the next day, it's just lost because you feel so terrible, right? I'll, I'll tell you the last time I was hungover in a minute. Go ahead. Tell okay. your story. So my friend had this product called Blowfish. It's like a Alka-Seltzer. You put in- water and it fizzes up and you drink it before you go to bed and then you drink it the next morning drew i felt like an all-star the next day Seriously. we had drank from 10 a.m to about 8 p.m in wine country and the next day i was like let's run a marathon now i don't know what was in blowfish i don't know what i took but i felt good probably like 16 <laughs> illicit drugs of some kind you order it online so happy birthday thank you you had a good time with your girlfriends i did yeah. what did you say about me when i was gone I said, I don't know if you were going to be able to make it back for next week's podcast. Um, I figured you were having a good time. What was the highlight? You know, I was with friends from high school to college to San Diego to my life these days. I think it was the it was the friends I was with, for sure. Oh, wow. So there are no guys involved? Nope. Y'all didn't pick up guys? No, we didn't. That's really? not what you do when you go wine tasting. That's not your objective. You got well, an You ob- did more what? than wine tasting. You were in San Diego for how many days? Uh, you were in San Diego. I was in Santa Barbara. You were in Santa Barbara. I'm sorry. You were yeah. in a more haughty, toddy part. So of you were in Southern San Diego California. at yes. the winter meetings. I was. And Wait, which don't try to move this off your birthday. I'm moving it. Um, the winter meetings are a kind of a who's who, right? Everybody in the industry is. Most everybody's there, and it, it, it's good to see your brethren, your colleagues, and you meet some new people. And they have a, a huge trade show, and there's some fascinating products. And like what? Oh, I I talked to a couple guys yesterday. Well, one Chris O'Dad and Dan O'Dad. That's Dan Dan's son Christopher, uh-huh. uh, who played at Dartmouth and then played professionally. They have started this thing, and I think about ten major league teams uh, have have already bought it. Julie, it's it's virtual reality. So I'm going to simplify it. But now you can put those big virtual reality headset goggles on, you which with, the NFL uses. With the NFL, yeah. so so players like the backup quarterback who's not going to get many reps in practice can put them on and go through you know the playbook and and be sharp still right right? so they're doing that in baseball take here's a great application for it let's say you're jason giambi when his whole role was to pinch hit late and he knew he was going to face the other team's closer probably right 
so he can go up in the cage outside the dugout, put on those goggles, and get in there, and they can and they can plug in, you know, Mariano Rivera back when he was playing. Wow. And and now you're seeing his it's Mariano and all his delivery and it's coming at you, you know a cutter at 94 miles an hour, and and so then you get in the box in in the real game and you've just taken 15 20 swings off of Mariano Rivera and now he he's he's out there in person so it's pretty it's pretty fascinating it's really cutting edge and uh, I put the goggles on it is wild man it is really pretty cool so. Does Chris O'Dowd's company have the, I mean, are they the makers of, are there different makers or there's only one? Um, I, I, I know that they do it. I don't mm. know if they have competition yet hmm. in the marketplace, but um, it's it's got, and you know how things trickle down. So, so the big leagues, so big league teams are using it, but then there's going to be, you know, travel organizations that use it. I went to another guy that has, this um, system where, uh, you know, pitchers throw to you and you can do it f- where it's a training mechanism, Julie, but you could also do it where, you know, Joe's co-ed, Joe and Jill's co-ed softball team can go in there and, and buy beers and, and then, you know, have a competition off this thing. And so there there's all kinds of stuff from stadium seating. Like if you wanted to put a couch in your we always call it a man cave. Forgive the, you know, sexist. Right, my she shed. Connotation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where you have your, you have your favorite team on your leather couch, and you can in in baseball season you have the Rockies on there, and the football season you can zip it and you put in on this in, in good high quality stuff, and it mm-hmm. and now is a Bronco logo. I had no idea that was part of the winter meetings. I oh, thought it was man, just hobnobbing yeah. of GMs and and then you have and, and all the people in suits typically are twenty one to twenty five looking for a gig. Coming up, I had a bunch of people. They you know they know. You know, they know people and they watch television all the time. So you have young people coming up and they want to meet you and, you know, try to push your resume and, and what. So broadcasters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guys who are trying to get jobs in the minor leagues and work their way up. And, and so, you know, it's neat because you try to impart some advice to uh, the next generation, if you will. Where you're like, run. That's yeah, like, <laughs> go, go get your MBA. Um, who's the what's who's the biggest name you saw out there walking around the lobby or? You, you, it's really a who's who. You see everybody. Uh-huh. I mean, Scott Boris yesterday was holding court, and uh-huh. you know, through the years, I've gotten to know Scott a little bit, and he is, you know, he's the he's the the kingpin. I mean, he had. Does he, he have has, Nolan? He doesn't have Nolan, but he had Garrett Cole, who signed yesterday for. Three hundred and twenty-four million dollars wow. for nine years with the Yankees, mm-hmm. which is which is unbelievable. Steven Strasburg signed, so his clients, which typically don't sign early, he's had a couple of the you know, the big big ones signed right around the winter meeting. So there was more activity this year than years past. You know, Joe Girardi, right? All the managers you see the the one group that you don't see is the GMs, and here's why. They're all there, but they don't want to go cruising around the lobby because they they won't be able to get anywhere. Reporters are going to be grabbing them and trying to right. you know pick their brain. Hey, what's going on? But uh, spe- we we do have an interview later on with Jeff Breidich because yes. I was able to sneak into his uh, hotel suite and sit down with him. So, what was the scuttlebutt on the Rockies when we were out there? Was it are the Rockies going to trade Nolan? 
what's going on with the bullpen? What was the what were people wanting to talk about when it came to Colorado? Yeah, it's a great question, Julie. And and here's what's funny, and you kind of take me to something I want to I want to get your thought on. But uh, there was a little bit of hey, will the Rockies trade Nolan Arenado? One thing people have to understand about professional sports and baseball in particular, because there are more trades that take place in baseball than any of the other major sports typically, is that GMs will call each other all the time or people in the front office and say, hey, listen, I know you're not moving Nolan Arenado right now. If there ever comes a point in time, though, where you feel like you may do that, please make sure we are part of that conversation. That's That happens a whole lot at, at their level. Okay. And yet people get wind of it, Julie, and they go, oh, the Rockies are listening to offers on Nolan Arenado. They ain't trading Nolan Arenado. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. There was a report from a reporter from ESPN. I was get Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I think, tweeted out that there were conversations and multiple teams were interested. Or, of course, multiple teams are interested, right? right? Who wouldn't be? So uh, the other one was the Rockies are looking for somebody to pair with Tony Walters. That's that. That I think, if you had to prioritize what the Rockies' agenda is right now, that that's right near the top. Unfortunately, there's no sexy guy out there. It's not like JT Realmuto is is all of a sudden going to become a, a Colorado Rocky. So it's going to be, you know, somebody who's been around the block several times. And the most important element for the Rockies, and understandably so, is not, oh, does this guy have some pop? Did he hit some home runs? You know, what kind of hitter is he? Does he hit righty, lefty? The most important element is his ability to to be a, you know, a thoroughbred behind the plate. Is he uh, a, a terrific catcher? Is he engaged trying to make every pitcher um, better when he's catching that individual? That has to be paramount. That is number one, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it should be. That's their number one responsibility. And if they hit a little bit, great. But it's not like, oh, we're going to take the guy with a little better offensive ability than the guy that's a stronger catcher. They're going to take the defensive guy first. But Tony's still the number one catcher, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else Rockies wise you want to share? Here, here's one. And you kind of led me to, you know, people say, oh, the Rockies, how come they weren't a player for Garrett Cole? How come they weren't a player for Steven Strasburg? What always cracks me up is Rockies, I think, are 11th in payroll, which is they have a strong payroll. They, they spent a lot of money, uh, especially when you juxtapose it against their market size. People, fans, always want you to run your business differently than they would run their own business, right? Like Like, spend all the money. Yeah, I mean, like have an unlimited budget, right? Yeah. Well, come on. You you still got to run a business, and the Rockies spend a lot of money. That's a fact. They're also a year before the new television contract, and they've been upfront about this, kicks in. So their dollars spent are going to be similar to last year in the $150 million-plus uh, range, but next year it jumps significantly, and maybe they're a player for, you know, some some names out there. We'll see. Okay, I'm gonna completely do a curveball with you, and we can get back. We're gonna get back to the Rockies. And we're gonna hear from Jeff Breidich. Yeah. But speaking of TV deals, I was talking to somebody today 
about that they're surprised that so the deal with Altitude Direct TV got done. Dish and Comcast have not gotten done, which I think is a kind of a surprise. I think a lot of us thought once Direct TV got done, everybody else would. Do you think that after the Broncos season is when we're going to see, I guess, fans more engaged in this, that this is when we might see it? Because even though the Broncos, well, they just had a, a really big win and Drew Locke, you know, some people are already anointing him the next starting quarterback for years. Um, he's John Elway reincarnated. He's John Elway reincarnated. Well, John Elway. Well, I think hope so. Um, whether they they win or lose, they're still the big deal in town. But when they're not playing, do you think that that's when that's when this is going to become a much bigger deal? I do. I I think you're right, Jules. Because I mean, again, you you've lived here your whole life. I've lived here most of my adult life. Those someone would accuse me of not being an adult right now, um, but you being one of them, <laughs> I, I think you're right. Typically, when January rolls around, and it's and it's probably the same in a lot of cities that has have basketball, have all four sports, mm-hmm. because now you go, okay, where's my basketball team? It's it's getting close to halfway. Where, where's my hockey team? And in the case of the Avalanche, they've been extraordinarily good. The Nuggets, as of the taping of this podcast, struggle on the road trip. Lost to Philly last night. Boston before that, they've lost five or six. But we know they're good. We we know. Uh, that they have a lot of talent. So I think when January rolls around and, and certainly past the Super Bowl and, and folks who have Comcast are still not getting the games, it will really become a big focus because that's when people settle in for those few months and, and the stretch run of those two seasons, et cetera. Yep. Yeah, well, that's when a lot of people just start yeah. you know, looking at records and, and all that stuff. So we'll do a little um, – so are you – a believer that Drew Locke is the real deal? I've been impressed. Um, uh, we talked about it last week while you were drunk in Santa Barbara. Um, <laughs> Taking blowfish. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sobering up on blowfish. Um, we talked about Drew Locke after after week one. And the word I said to Jesse um, was he played with moxie. He played with, with charisma. He played like he belonged. He played like he wasn't afraid. And then I thought it was going to be interesting to see week two where now there's a little bit of game film on him. And now you're going on the road against a pretty formidable opponent in Houston who's coming off a big win. They absolutely laid uh, an egg. But guess what? You know, he was solid in his first game, Julie. He was re- he was really, really good. I mean, 300-plus yards, you know, three touchdown passes. Um, there was only one you know the the pick was was bad, but we see guy. You know Tom Brady got picked off last week, um, so he was impressive and jumping around. And I feel like one of the things, one of the conclusions I came to in watching him is because he is a really good athlete. There's a, a drill that every team works on at every level. It's called the scramble drill, defensively and offensively, and that's where you know the quarterback hasn't released the football in three seconds, three three and a half seconds. So now guys start to reroute because the quarterback's moving around. And and Drew Locke can do that, which makes it really hard on the secondary to cover. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the offensive line has been a little bit better in protecting him because they've been re-energized. I think the whole team's been re-energized. I think the whole team has been re-energized, like you're saying. Did you hear what Vaughn said about him? Uh, do you want me it? to say it? Yeah, go for it. He said that he's a fucking rock star. Right. 
Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly what he said, but I agree. <laughs> I did. Yeah. To have somebody like Von Miller say that, yeah, you know, who's accomplished in his own right, I just hope he doesn't lay an egg against um, the Chiefs, which is a tough place to play in Kansas mm-hmm. City. He might. He might. No, yeah, I think he's uh, – listen, is he going to have some duds? They all do. Um, but he's opened some eyes. He's doing better than I thought he was going to do. Me too. Especially because it seemed like everything was in, in you know, the, this cloak of secrecy around him. You know, is he not getting the, the playbook? Does he not have the requisite work ethic? What is it? Why, why are people not, you know, overly excited inside Dove Valley about him? And now he's played a couple of games. You go, where was this? Maybe it really was what they were saying, is they just wanted to make sure he was ready. Maybe that was actually the truth, yeah. where we wanted to read in between the lines, you know, and think it was a big conspiracy yeah. deal. Maybe that was really what it was. He's fun, though, isn't he? Yeah, really fun. We'll see how he does uh, Kansas City coming up on Sunday. So you had a chance to sit down with Jeff Breidich. Um, Jeff doesn't do a ton of interviews, right? No, I mean... I don't I think, think he's a big fan of doing interviews. I, I think Jeff... Uh, uh, Jeff handles... Jeff's, are, you know, obviously a super bright guy. Jeff, I, I don't think was really enamored with having to do the media portion when he first got the GM job. Uh-huh. He has become so much more comfortable in that role and understands it is part of his role as, you know, the the general manager of a major league franchise. And um, I think he has come to. Um, I don't want. I, I don't. I don't know if he would use the word enjoy it, but he handles it. He handles it well now. And I think he is far more comfortable doing it. So you had a chance to speak with Jeff Bright. It's the GM of the Rockies. We're going to hear about that next on the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. That's you. That is me. But first. Our weekly pitch for Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's company, been around since uh, 2001. I've spent a lot of time, Julie, talking with uh, Shannon and Brent at Ideal Home Loans because I'm closing on a house tomorrow. Congratulations. Thank you. When's the party? The party is, it's coming up. Are you really going to have a party? I'm going to invite select few. You're going to be on the list. (laughs) How about that? Um, But they've been awesome, man. And, And I really mean that. They... You always want to make sure, okay, are all the ducks in a row? And then you want to make sure again. And so you're always calling them. And Shannon has been outstanding in making sure everything was aligned and and you feel like you have a lot of balls in the air. Uh, She's been terrific. You can get the same treatment I get. 303-867-7000 is the number. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. And uh, Ideal Home Loans, the preferred mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies. And they have been for the last uh, several years. They're wonderful people. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And we're we're proud that they're involved with us. And uh, once you have an opportunity to work with them, you will be a big fan as well. So if you're uh, looking for a new loan, if you are looking to buy a home, if you're looking to consolidate debt, give them a call. Make sure you call them first. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. And they bring us our interview every week. And I had an opportunity in San Diego at the winter meetings to sit down with the Rockies General Manager, Jeff Breidich. This is your favorite time of year, winter meetings, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, there's a you know, there's a dog and pony element to it now. 
um, which is, I mean, there's you, you understand it just because it's an opportunity for the industry to, you know, to become um, somewhat relevant again in the winter months when we're not obviously not playing baseball. So, um, you know, it, it, it you just you know it is what it is. It's it's become kind of a media thing, and um, and it's uh, it, with with it, the influx of all of this uh, technology and that we now live our lives by that means that uh, at these meetings we tend to get together face to face less and less you know as, as teams as front offices you, you do a lot more on the phone and over texting and, and more than you, you probably think so it's it's uh it's interesting we all kind of get together in this big hotel and then we text each other which is a little weird right? uh, i was going to say and you see everybody in the industry and there's so many people who are, uh, as Dick Vitale would say, all lobby. The only people you rarely see are guys like yourself, the GMs, because you have to live in this clandestine world where, because if you were to go down the lobby, you'd have a million people coming around you. Hey, are you guys trading this guy? Are you doing that? That's got to be uh, a weird existence for, for three, four days. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's what it is. It's just three or four days. Um, and this is where this this event here, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's not really an event. I mean, it's this event is different than the GM meetings. Um, GM meetings are still, you know, happen in November, um, and they're smaller and more intimate, and and actually do allow for um, more, I would say, personal work to get done and uh, kind of that interpersonal interaction um, from team to team. Uh, easier at that sort of smaller, um, smaller event than this one. How many conversations start with, from your end, from your from your colleagues, and, hey, you may not be willing to move this guy now, but if you ever do contemplate it, make sure you at least give us a call. Does that is that a common phrase, yes. if you will? A lot, a lot of it. Yeah, it's a very common phrase, um, and. Um, you know, I think some of it has to do with just the reality of how fast things can go um, in this industry. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think some of it, too, is, is, is depending on kind of where you're at and uh, in your roster and where your roster's at, where your team is at. Um, you know, that, that phrasing comes up a lot when, you know, if the, if the team that's dealing with you... Um, you know, thinks of your team as one that is going to is built to compete, or it's built to, you know, win games, and that's kind of a big, huge part of, you know, goals that you have. Then, you know, a lot of times a, a different team will say, "Look, I know that you're, you know, maybe you're not even. This isn't even on your radar because of how you guys are built, but and what your expectations are for the season. But if you have any sort of inclination ever, just make sure that we're part of the conversation." I got it. And I assume you say you have that same type of, you know, conversation with other teams. Yes. Where there's where there's guys that you're interested in. As you build your roster for 2020, um, if if you had a hit list, a, a priority list, if you will, how would you uh, how would you enumerate that? <laughs> um, well, there's there's the real, you know, and there's the dream list. Um, I would say with how we have built the roster over the past few years, uh, you know, there are, you know, we, we need to, I think, find a catcher if we can. 
um, to pair with Tony. Um, you know, and I, I do think that if uh, if we do get the return to health from a lot of our pitchers in, in particular, um, that you know we should you know we should be a competitive group again. Um, you know, we're always we're always on the lookout for for pitching. So um, you know, is there a way to um, you know shuffle the deck a little bit or? Um, or try to be opportunistic a little bit if there's a team that, that is looking to move a certain pitcher here or there, whether it's a starter or a reliever. I think we're always kind of in that in that mode. You know, we added a young a young pitcher, uh, Jose Mujica, earlier in the in the off season. Um, we look at him as a guy that that might have a, a future, a really solid or bright future as a starting pitcher in the coming seasons here. Um, you know, so I think we've to this point worked a, a, kind of around the margins a little bit of the team, and uh, we just we just uh, you know claimed a kid, uh, Tyler Kinley, yesterday from the Marlins, and um, you know, so uh, again, sometimes those margins are, are trying to add pieces that you feel like have some upside, some younger players that are potentially ready to pop. Um, so to this point, that's kind of been our our focus. Yeah, and it's and it's unfair to throw it at, at one guy. Um, because we know how passionate this guy I'm about to mention is, but pretty clearly and pretty obviously, you need to bounce back from Kyle Freeland. And, yeah. and I'm sure Kyle would be the first guy to raise his hand and say, yeah, I, I, I need to be more like the guy we saw two years ago. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I'm, I don't want to speak for Kyle, but I think that's fair. I mean, he's he's a heck of a competitor, and uh, he takes a lot of pride in, in, you know, I think his abilities and what he feels like he should be able to do at the major league level. Um, and for this team, um, and you know, it's a tough year, and and so um, I don't think uh, anybody's put our head in the sand um, about his season. You know, and him in particular. I, you know, he's he's faced it head on, um, and I think been very honest. I think that uh, you know, I think there are some lessons learned in there, a variety of them for him, and um, you know, I think we fully expect, and he fully expects himself to bounce back and and really do what you know i mean it's it's tough to be <laughs> it's tough to put together like top five cy young seasons all the time right and um you know it was it was really a heck of a year for him um, two two seasons ago uh you know it's not like i don't think we have unrealistic expectations you know that that's the bar that's been set now um Kyle has the ability to put together and string together a lot of really competitive starts for us and give us a chance to win games um, and do it over the course of a long season, and that's the job, right? The job isn't necessarily to, to be a top, now a top three Southern guy. It's, it's to, you know, to make pitches and, and give the team a chance to, you know, score enough runs to win, to win a game when he's out there. You know, Jeff, I, I think throughout baseball, if I was talking to your 29, the 29 other general managers. The one position group, if you will, in baseball that always seems to be in a fluid situation is a bullpen. Mm-hmm. And I know the bullpen didn't, you know, struggled last mm-hmm. year. And we know the, the names of the guys in particular who struggled. It seems also that if you look back at the history of, you know, the last 20, 30 years, teams can flip a bullpen around pretty quickly and have one year where you go, boy, that was, that was not good. And the next year you say, boy, they're elite. They're top three or four or five bullpen. Is that doable right now in Colorado? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, for the most part, 
you know, this this past year's bullpen was, other than Adam Adovino, was basically the same bullpen that we had that helped us get into the playoffs in 17 and 18. So, um, you know, there was there were some good things that happened in that pen. You know, the the emergence of uh, Scotty Oberg until he got hurt, the emergence of a Jairo Diaz, the emergence, uh, the kind of the re discovery a little bit um, in terms of both health and in performance of uh, Carlos Estevez. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, some of the younger guys that were, you know, that didn't really have a whole lot of uh, major league experience, um, got some more major league experience, guys that we like in terms of their arms, you know, Almonte, Tinoco, for example. Um, Know, they, they they got more and more major experience which hopefully should pay dividends in, in the future so um, yeah if we can if we can have some of our veteran guys who have performed okay or performed really well for us in the past history return to that good performance um, you know this is a this is a group that yeah absolutely can, can bounce back and have better days than they did last year how excited about you about Hilliard and Hampson in particular are you? I know we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Yeah, um, extremely excited in terms of the the what they bring, like what they bring to the table, um, athletically, skills. Um, you know, they um, they both Hampson for two September's in a row has performed pretty well. Hilliard this past year was uh, his September was kind of the first time that he'd he'd been at the major level and and showed up very well. Um, you know, and so n- now this is about where they are. They're ready to take the next steps for each one of them in their careers. You know, Hamp struggled a little bit uh, to, you know, to kind of grab hold of a role and consistent playing time at the major league level this year. Um, and uh, the nice thing there is that there are specific reasons for that, and I think he is he understands those reasons, and um, I think he is going to. You know he's going to be a lot better for that uh, in the near future. Hilliard um, kind of shot out of a right, shot out of a can. Had a nice year at AAA and and was doing well, and then came up, you know, in, in a September where where we were giving a lot of uh, different players playing time, and and he, you know, settled in really well and showed some serious athleticism. You know, the type of athleticism that made us excited about a, a raw kid that we drew. What he was a 15th, 16th round pick. Um, I mean, very raw, right? And at the time, and and he has uh, has has developed into a, um, a more skilled player, and a, a little bit more of a refined baseball player um, than he was when we initially drafted him. Um, you know, I think there still are some lessons to be learned offensively for him in terms of the uh, commanding the strike zone and, and doing it consistently, and um, and the swing and miss element of his game and. But he made improvements that, you know, as the, as the course of the AAA season went on, Sam made improvements there. And he came up and he acquitted himself pretty well at the major league level that way, too. And so uh, to this point, he's, he's kind of shown himself to be a fairly quick study, um, which is really a good sign. And so I think we'll keep for both those guys, we'll keep our expectations realistic um, and, and hopefully a little bit aggressive at the same time. Um, and uh, I think the, especially their athleticism combined with their kind of burgeoning skill levels are, are good for the future of this organization. 26-man roster next year, Jeff. <clears throat> also, the possibility 
in the not too distant future, and, and who knows how we define that, that there could be the designated hitter now in the National League. How will that impact the Rockies, and could it be a, a benefit, specifically with the DH, and really with the 26 man also, because of the altitude factor? Yeah, you know, 26 man is going to be interesting, um, you know, because there are some, you know, there, there, there are some now with that. There are some restrictions about September that are going to change how we can do things in terms of um, the total numbers of players that we can have active in September. Um, and so we're going to have to, you know, it, it'll be interesting. This is the kind of the guinea pig year for everybody in that regard. Um, typically, August, September are the two, you know, across the game are the two biggest injury-laden months of the season. So um, we're going to have to see how that all works. But... The whole concept of the DH, you know, becoming universal, um, you know, I think we've, uh, I think we see, I'll see it kind of like you said, right? We all kind of see it coming down the pipeline potentially, and, and it's getting, who knows how it's going to end up, but it's getting more and more, you know, realistic as a, as a real potential rule change. And so, you know, one of the things I think it would do if, if it is adopted in the National League is it would simplify some of the things for us roster-wise, you know, we would you know, in terms of when you when you put a roster together and the types of guys that um, are, you know, your your complementary players, and you know, what are the skills that they have, and what do they have to do for us? Um, you know, we have a big yard. Um, you know, we have altitude in the mix. We, you know, so there are certain things that I think need to factor in for us when you have you know pitchers hitting and you have double switches in the mix and this is going to happen a lot and we're going to have to make sure that our bench or you know our, our non-regular players um, have the ability to you know play in a bunch of different positions and you know who knows how the game's going to go um, you have to think that way without the dh with the dh when you don't have pitchers hitting and you don't have to worry about a lot of double switches and, and guys in and out and I mean, it simplifies things a little bit more, and it potentially gives different types of hitters or players an opportunity to play for us. I also, one other factor I know is not lost on you, more so, again, in Denver than any other city in baseball, rest and recovery. Take a, a Charlie Blackman, for instance, who's you know, now well into his 30s right. and, and is an elite hitter, um, not the same defensive guy he was a couple of years ago. The legs get fatigued now. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to run them out yeah. there six, seven days yeah. a week. And that is one way that you can theoretically or conceivably look at that DH spot if it does happen, right, is that it's a way to keep your regulars in the game but not, you know, necessarily running around all the time. And so you could have it set it up as a rotating kind of a quasi-rest day for those guys. Um, not a full rest day, obviously, but it's you get them off their feet a little bit and still have their, you know, their bat in the lineup. Now it's not just that much of a turnkey operation, right? I mean, guys have to learn how to effectively designate a hit, right? and they have to understand what they need to do and how they need to prepare every few innings to get ready for their next at bat and stay engaged in the game and keep their energy levels up and stay loose. And so it's not just a, you know. It, there's a little bit more to it than, than may meet the eye, but that is certainly one way that um, that we could consider to look at it. I, I know it's December and nobody knows 
other than front offices, how rapidly all of a sudden it's it's February and pitchers and catchers. And is there a mantra or somewhat of a mandate that you have? Because there's a theme, if you will, I think for at most spring trainings with most clubs. And you touched on something a few minutes ago that that I'm I'm throwing out there that maybe is part of what you're going to address with, with your guys, and that is. You know, higher on base percentage, less swing and miss. Am I in the ballpark or something that you want to address organization wide? I know it's not the first time because I know last year it was, yeah. a, it was a big part of what you guys are doing with uh, Zach Wilson's group as a farm director. Yeah, so they're, you know, it's, we've seen it, right? We've seen it, uh, these sorts of things spike across the game for a few years running here, right? Where, there's a, there's a lot more all-or-nothing offense, and um, what the danger there is is not only how it affects the game and how the quality of the game that you play, but also that that sort of mindset just kind of seeps in and, and becomes permanent, right? Where, um, you know, it's okay to strike out all the time, or it's okay to, you know, to not adjust along with the pitchers who are adjusting to try to get you as a hitter out. Um, and uh, you know this is a this is a much more strategic game than just taking three crazy hacks and, and missing the ball and walking back to the dugout and, and I mean that, that that's just not okay. And there was I'm not saying that that was necessarily going on blanket in our organization, but I think we, we kind of looked at each other and said this is it, it's it's too much right now and we need to start to be better than this. Um, and, you know, at the major league level, at the ultimate level, that's not necessarily in, uh, the simplest thing to accomplish, right? I mean, the guys that you're facing are really good players, too. And they are, you know, but there's an awareness that needs to happen and a commitment to, um, you know, to, to being as efficient and being as good offensively as we can possibly be. It's not a, you know, we have a lot of talent, offensive talent on this team. And we have, like you mentioned, right, we have, young players or offensive players like the Hampsons and Hilliards who are Tapia who are still kind of emerging at the major level and trying to gain a, a, a toehold here. Um, so it's not necessarily for lack of talent and we can, you know, it's not necessarily one person here or one person there, right? It's a, it's in large part a group thing and a group commitment to um, being better than the opposition and, and doing the things necessary as a group to be as good offensively as we possibly can and not accepting less than that. Um, and so, um, you know, it starts at the top and it starts me and Buddy and, and everybody else. And, uh, you know, it's one way I think that we can get better as an organization. Last thought, expectations. Everybody, you know, fans out there, what are the expectations? What are the Rockies uh, going to be? And I know you guys addressed it, I think, within 48 hours of the end of last season that, you know, this isn't a rebuild. This was a disappointing season, but we expect in 2020, and I'll let you finish that sentence. Uh, we just expect to have better health and and play better baseball and, and compete um, for the postseason like we had competed for the postseason very well in the, the, the two years prior, and really the three kind of three years prior. You know, 16 was a was a build-up, you know, it doesn't necessarily show it in the final record, but it was kind of a build-up into 17 and, and 18. So it's kind of like two, it was two and a half years or two and a half seasons of of that sort of build-up, and last year was, you know, we you know, we just, we really struggled in a lot of different areas, and so um, it's a lot of the same people, 
that have been you know on this team now that were involved in in those successes uh, for the two and a half years prior, and um, you know, and we feel like there's you know there's a lot of, of, of good competitive baseball that hopefully leads us to the postseason to be played in 2020. Um, do we need some better health? Yeah, um, we're confident that that'll happen. Um, do we need some guys to, to you know to do what they can do? Um, and rebound in, in those ways, yeah, and, and that's going to be important for us too. Um, and but you know we, we expect to do that. We think the group will, um, you know, the group will come together and um, be a competitive team. As always, I appreciate it. And uh, if you go out, you can always borrow that Bobby Valentine mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I'm just going to, instead of that, I'm going to decide not to go into the lobby downstairs. How about that? that that's the easier one. Probably a good move. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. So he did kind of admit that, you know, I mean, he was thinking about having a disguise, right? For the media? Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because they do, literally, you don't see the GMs around. They hang out in their suites, uh-huh. and he said they spent like $1,000 on candy, and every late <laughs> afternoon, they would have a media gathering, in, 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 and every team does this, but it's not out in the open. It's up in the suite, so you know what floor to go to, and you get the message, and you go up there, and the highlight around the table was he had... A, uh, a massive jar of peanut M and M's, and and yeah, I was, and he was giving me shit because you know I try to eat right and everything, and there I was like mowing on the was, peanut yeah, M and M's. Absolutely, I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist if it's in front of you. So if you're a Rockies fan, you listen to that interview. Tell me a reason to get excited. Tell me a reason why you go, okay, I was, this year's going to be different. You know what? I was getting excited again, and it's kind of that time of year where all of a sudden we're not too far from January, and, and, and now the juices start flowing. We're, they went to the postseason two straight years. Last year was terrible. And you say, well, which team is this? Are, are they banking on some guys bouncing back? Absolutely. I mean, Kyle Freeland's got to bounce back, and, and with his work ethic, and Jeff talked about it. You heard him. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you bet on a guy like Kyle Freeland mm-hmm. and Herman Marquez and John Gray. I, I like what Chichi Gonzalez did late in the year. And so you got to round that rotation out. And then, again, we talked about young guys like Sam Hilliard and Garrett Hampson. And let's not forget, the left side still Arenado and Story right. and Blackman and um, – you know, Daniel Murphy, I think, is going to have a much better year. Contract year, he was hurt last year, probably tried to come back too quickly. So I, there's there's reasons to be excited. So Scott Oberg was just announced. He just signed a contract extension. Yeah. So he's going to be the closer? And or is Wade, I mean, is, is he and Wade fighting for that closer spot? Or do you think that it's going to be Scott? That's an interesting one, Julian. I think, I think it'll, you know probably sort itself out organically there's there's a number of candidates to pitch late in ball games in high leverage innings wade davis another guy that has to bounce back uh you know oberg yes carlos estevez in that mix jairo diaz in that mix so we'll see we'll see how it plays out i was looking at wade davis's numbers i didn't realize it was the second Gosh, it was like 8.86, the second worst reliever in Major League Baseball history. It wasn't really? Was it, it was. that bad? It yeah, was that it was, bad. Yeah, and, and, and for, it's amazing to me because he clearly lost confidence. 
and, and especially in Denver. And the year before, other than a little hiccup period of two, two and a half weeks, he was really good. Sets yeah. franchise record, right, with 43 saves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing about baseball that's remarkable. You have these guys. This dude's had a phenomenal career, right? Not not just, hey, pretty good career. He's had a phenomenal career. Yeah. And then you go, how can that guy lose his confidence? It can ha- Baseball tears you down, man. You go three for four one day, double, triple home run, you're on top of the world, and there's a one for 15 around the corner with seven punch outs, and you're like, I, I don't remember the last time I hit the baseball. Right. And it does it to the best of the best. I'm so. starting to get excited. See, look what we did for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as we leave this podcast, have you started your Christmas shopping yet? Which is interesting because we're Jewish, but... I, you know, here's the thing. You and I are both Jewish, and in your um, palatial abode here, uh-huh. you have a. I'm looking outside. You have on that plant that needs water. By the way, you might want to think about that. Uh-huh. Um, it has a Santa hat, and you have the you have the holiday. What do you call those things? The uh, ornaments. Ornament. Uh, well, the balls. I do. Did you say balls? Yeah, because say it's balls, no, Drew. It's not I, balls. I, whenever I do that, I go break into my. New oh York. my god, that was it's so balls. New York. No, I do that on purpose. The balls, the uh-huh. ornament balls, um, <laughs> and then around the corner you have a beautiful Christmas tree, and you have your you have see everywhere I look, you have your Santa slippers here. Your Santa slippers, man. You just got to get into the spirit. Man, what do you are have? You like spirit? size fifteen shoe. No, those eight are, and a half. No, those are petite. Yeah, those <laughs> eight are, and a half. I just thought I'd say that. Mm-hmm. And I, we have a our tree up and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love this time of year. Okay, as your podcast partner, hypothetically, if yeah. I was going to get you something, what would it be? It's strictly hypothetical. After what I, all that money I spent on you, um, I don't know. You know, you get to our age, and now you're getting to our age, mm-hmm. right? Um, don't tell me you have again. everything that you want. I don't. Know, I don't know. Okay, what would you get me? I don't know. You can, you out there, our listeners, go to the drewgoodmanpodcast.com and there's a tab, it's contact. Yeah. Contact tab. Why don't you people email us what to get Drew for Christmas? That and just send us gifts, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or just send us gifts, yes. Well, do you, well by, by the way, before we depart, because mm-hmm. last week was your birthday and you've you know been celebrating for the better part of a month, mm-hmm. um, what was the best gift you got? Oh, I got some great stuff. Did you really? Yeah. Can you share any? Yeah, I just got really fun stuff. I got a bathrobe with fur on it. That sounded like really? the most snotty thing I could ever say. Yeah. I now, when I wake up, have a cup of coffee with a bathrobe with fur on it. Is that what you wanted? Sure. Did that come from a girl or a guy? Okay, so we'll see you next week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, BS. number 23. I want to answer.